traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Meaning we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. Better late than never. An hour and ten minutes of the Richard Serrett Show is better than nothing. And I had crafted probably a Pulitzer Prize-winning monologue, too, that I won't be able to share with you. <laughs> no time. So we're just going to jump right in because it's uh, Thursday. That means our In Defense of Women uh, segment and uh, great stuff coming up for you this uh, in the second hour as well. But let me just get right to uh, to business here. Amy Eileen Ham is with us, Cosbar founding member, writer at the Post Millennial, co-host of the podcast Gender Critical Story Hour. Amy, how are you? Welcome and thanks for your patience. Oh, no worries. Thank you for having me again. Um, I'm doing pretty well. Terrific. I wanted to ask you right out of the gate about the um, the other day we had Barbara Kay on. Uh, who is moderating uh, this upcoming event, Protecting Women's Spaces in the Age of Transgenderism. Give us some more details. Sure. So this, um, it's going to be, I think, a lively discussion. We have four different panel members to talk about protecting women's spaces. Um, And everyone on the panel has a unique perspective. 
We have Heather Mason, who is the Canadian woman who sounded the alarm about males in women's prisons. We have Kim Jones, who is the mother of one of the Penn State University swim team um, girls who had to compete against the biological male, Leah Thomas. Um, and then there's myself um, coming from the perspective of someone who's been uh, like, quote unquote, canceled for being gender critical. And I might lose my nursing job over it. And the last panelist is a trans identified male who goes by Jen Smith. And his perspective is one of trying to protect children from trans ideology. And he's been calling on the Canadian government to have a national inquiry into the transing of children for quite some time. Okay, again, it's called Protecting Women's Spaces in the Age of Transgenderism, happening August the 28th from 3 to 6 p.m. Uh, there'll be, you know, Q&A and uh, I'm guessing kind of a, um, a bit of a meet and greet as well. It's not three hours of the panel. Um, and uh, people can go to eventbrite.com, I believe. And then, then how should they find yeah. it once they get to eventbrite.com? Um, you, I post. I've posted the link several times on social media. If you also go to the Democracy Fund Twitter account, you can um, find that. I think it's our pinned tweet right now with the Eventbrite link. Um, So just search for the Democracy Fund Canada, and you'll be able to find the Eventbrite link through um, their social media. Right. That's happening out in Whitby, Ontario. But if people can't go out there and make it live, there's also you can also uh, watch it on Zoom, correct? You can. It's a discounted ticket. It's 10 bucks, and you can see the whole thing live streamed. All right. Amy Eileen Hamm is with us, Cosbar founding member, writer, and the post-millennial co-host of the podcast, The Gender Critical Story Hour. I wanted to just get a quick take. This is a, I know this story has been uh, in the news for a while, but we haven't had a chance to talk about it. This is the, uh, the 80-year-old woman who was banned from a YMCA pool uh, in, the, in the state of Washington after clashing with a trans employee. Can you just kind of give mm-hmm. us a summary of that story and give us your thoughts? Sure. So essentially this woman, uh, as you mentioned, 80 years old, was in the women's locker room showering. And then when she was in kind of an area where they had toilets, she saw that there were two girls. It didn't say their ages, but it sounds like they were very young girls who were disrobing and going to use the toilets. And then she heard a male voice and noticed that, It was essentially a male wearing a women's bathing suit and who appeared to be watching these girls who were disrobing to go pee. And then she she got very upset, which makes sense to me. Um, And then so this was a YMCA employee who told her to immediately leave. Um, There was a confrontation and ultimately she's now been barred from YMCA for violating their code of conduct. So you have biological males watching young girls in a change room, going to the bathroom, a grandmother, an 80-year-old woman objects, and then she's banned from the YMCA. Yeah, it's it's incredible. So essentially, their code of conduct states that it's okay for men to watch little girls pee, but not for women to question it. Exactly. And that's precisely, uh, you know, why... We need uh, to protect women's spaces, and that's why this upcoming event is so important. Protecting Women's Spaces in the Age of Transgenderism, August the 28th from 6, uh, sorry, from 3 to 6 p.m. August 28th from 3 to 6 p.m. Go to eventbrite.com. 
And um, if you look under a democracy fund, I'm sure it'll come up. Tickets are, I believe, $25. And if you can't attend in person, the event will also be broadcast via Zoom. And it's uh, open to the public for $10 a ticket in that case. All right. Um, I'm sorry we didn't get you on sooner. We had some technical issues here at the station. But thank you for your patience, uh, Amy. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. All right. Amy Eileen Ham, Cosbar. And don't forget her podcast, The Gender Critical Story Hour. All right. Hour two awaits. And uh, we'll hear from Kendra Hancock, a University of Western Ontario student with the Students for Agency. Uh, they are um, on, uh, on Twitter. You can find them and under Enough is Enough. And this campaign is protesting the... Western University, Ontario, uh, sorry, the University of Western Ontario's university uh, mask and vaccine mandates, which are coming back this fall. We'll get to uh, that conversation uh, as well as Drew Allen. We'll talk to Drew about the um, debt, student debt forgiveness under Joe Biden. It's basically going to be uh, off the backs of the working class so that they can pay off the uh, student debts of Harvard and Yale graduates. Leonidas Johnson, host of Informed Dissent, will be here. Uh, We'll talk about a University of California, Berkeley uh, housing, where they are banning white people from entering the common spaces. All right, all that awaits. Stay with us. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. We're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! You have meddled with the primal forces of nature! And you Hey, welcome. I am your mad prophet of the airwaves. I didn't get to say that off the top of the show. Welcome to uh, hour one. If you missed, uh, sorry, hour two. (laughs) If you missed hour one, uh, well, you didn't miss much. We were off the air and uh, I want to uh, just thank all of our faithful and loyal saga listeners for your patience we had some technical problems we've i don't know if this had anything to do with it but we have some uh, tornado warnings and uh we have some bad weather perhaps coming our way so um that may have something to do with it we'll have some details i'm sure at some point however welcome to the program welcome to hour two and uh i didn't get a chance to play this little piece of audio off the top so i want to share it with you now this is leading somewhere You have people like Fauci saying that his lockdowns didn't cause any permanent damage to any young kids. 
I got news for you, it did, and we are going to reap those rewards across the whole country for years and years and years because they treated kids so poorly. And I'm just sick of seeing him. I know he says he's going to retire. Someone needs to grab that little elf and chuck him across the Potomac. There you go. That's it. Toss that little elf. Dr. Mengele, I mean Fauci, toss him across the Potomac. Um, University of Western Ontario. I've been talking about this for a few days. Now a tainted institution. And uh, the chancellor there, the board of governors, really just what they're doing is unethical, immoral. It's called coercion and it's reckless. They're playing with the lives potentially of of, uh, otherwise healthy young men and women who want to attend school, further their academic career. And they have this um, in the face of, you know, the CDC doing a complete 180 on their guidance. They're insisting on students returning in the fall be fully vaccinated or I should say up to date with their vaccinations. So that means uh, two plus a booster and masks in schools. Can you believe it at this stage in the game? And this is because, unfortunately, the people in charge are a bunch of neurotic hypochondriacs. And uh, not just in the universities, just about everywhere you look. Hiding behind children in public schools, neurotic hypochondriacs. And this has to stop. Well, a lot of the students at Western University have had enough. Enough is enough is uh, the campaign. Kendra Hancock is uh, with the student... Students for Agency, and they're planning a big protest this Saturday, and uh, she joins me now. Kendra, welcome. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Tell me about Students for Agency. That's the name of the, the group, and the Enough is Enough is, I guess, kind of like the Twitter handle, right? Just so I have that? Uh, the opposite, I think. Ah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's Enough is Enough is the, the group. Okay. So uh, how many are you in this group? Um, following the group or creating it? Uh, creating it, I guess. Um, well, it was created primarily by me. Um, I've it skyrocketed, which is obviously fantastic to see. So I've been able to get a couple extra people to help out um, because it's been hard to keep up with. But um, we have a small group of probably four or five of us who are trying to get this together. My my parents have been helping me out, trying to get the calls and renting equipment and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, we've got a pretty good following going so far. Fantastic. And how many are following you now on Twitter? On Twitter, we've surpassed 5,000. That was a few hours ago, though. Not sure about right now. (laughs) It took me five years to get to (laughs) (laughs) 5,000. Well, well done. Kendra Hancock is uh, with us. Enough is enough. So uh, tell me about this big event uh, happening uh, Saturday. It's called the Concrete Beach at the university. Uh, What is that? Yeah, you know what, as a student, it probably took me two years to figure out what it actually was. Um, But it's just an open space where a lot of events take place. So we're going to be taking advantage of that spot on campus. And uh, I'm hearing, um, uh, you know, thousands are planning to uh, to attend. Is that right? Yeah, um, people have been asking me to gauge a number and it's pretty hard to at this point. We've had a lot of interest. I'm really grateful for the amount of support it's um, drawn in. Um, but in terms of students, it's hard to guess because not all students are back yet, but the ones who are, oh, they're, they're ready to come out. So I think it'll be an exciting day. Okay. So Kendra, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Like what year are you in and what, uh, what are you studying at the university? Yeah, of course. Uh, I just finished up at Huron at Western. So I finished my bachelor's there and I'm now trying to at least go back into Western. Um, I was accepted into a year long grad program. All right. 
And uh, so, again, for those not aware, uh, University of Western Ontario are insisting that students returning in the fall uh, be up to date with their vaccinations, which is kind of ironic because you have to have two vaccines and a booster uh, to attend the university. But if you're in an operating theater, you're in, you know, you're in, uh, you're a surgeon, you only have to have two vaccines. So I don't understand the, uh, and there's also, there's an affiliated uh, medical college with the university that, and they have just announced that they have waived the, the vaccine mandate. Is that correct? Uh, I'm not sure about the waiving the max, the vaccine mandate. The last I knew that they were requiring two doses, but I don't have the up-to-date information on that. Okay, uh, that's Brescia. Is it called Brescia or Bres- Brescia University? Oh, you're talking about Brescia. Yeah, um, Brescia. Yeah, yes, I believe Brescia waived. has waived it. Yes. The wording has been a bit vague, but um, they've shown that I guess that they're listening to students and um, they're they're moving forward in a different direction than Western, which is obviously great to see. And we'd love the other affiliates to join them. Right, Brescia is governed by Western University. So you say they're listening to the students more like, or and they're listening to the science probably. I mean, hopefully, yeah. I mean, do, do, does the um, the uh, the chancellor and the governor, governor, the board of governors, do they not understand the CDC? Uh, do they not get the memo? They've, you know, they've totally done a 180 on the guidance. There's no differentiating between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Yeah. And that's where we're seeing a huge issue. Um, and that's what students are obviously very upset about, is that the motivation for this call is not it's not adding up. So the motivation they have claimed um, in their policy has been that they reckon they were recommended this by the Middlesex London Health Unit and the Chief Medical Officer of Health. Um, and obviously those two things aren't adding up as the Middlesex London Health Unit has allowed Russia and Fanshawe to move forward without these mandates. So we have yet to hear from Western where the data is coming from, if it's driven by data and where they're getting this recommendation from. Uh, I was reading in the Gazette, uh, which is, I guess, the the uh, the student newspaper at uh, the University of Western Ontario. This was an issue going back in January of 2021, where the chancellor at the university was kind of reprimanded because in the midst of the pandemic, against provincial um, uh, recommendations, she flew off to uh, the Caribbean for a holiday. And uh, she took some flack when she came back. Uh, but of course, you know, she got to keep her job. And yet now here she is chancellor of a school and they're insisting that otherwise healthy young men and women uh, take the vaccine in order to attend classes. Uh, any any more calls for, for her resignation? Um, I've been seeing it online a bit, um, but I'd say that the, the announcement came from a sort of vague source. Right now, our prime minister, or sorry, prime minister, our president as the university is out um, for health issues. Um, he's been out for a few months now. So in terms of who has taken his place, it's actually been sort of vague. And I know not a lot of students know who's actually leading things at the moment. So um, those who perhaps have made these calls aren't actually part of the public um, sort of vocal decision, which is also very frustrating for students who want to have a direct line of communication. Kendra Hancock is a University of Western Ontario student, and it's uh, um, enough is enough. Uh, how do we follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can follow us at, at students number four agency. At students, the number four agency. All right, uh, Kendra, we'll take a quick time out. If you could hold on, I'd like to uh, talk some more. Would that be OK? Yeah, of course. All right. Fantastic. Back with more of our conversation right after these. 
Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. I love it. Western University students are uh, revolting. They're not revolting. I mean, they're they're lovely people. I mean, they're revolting. They're rebelling. They're rebelling in a in a peaceful way against these ridiculous uh, mandates. All right, uh, Kendra, uh, I understand that there was um, um, a storm the phones campaign. Uh, to, was that today? Um, that was, I believe, two days ago. It's kind two of blurring ago. together now. <laughs> okay, I'm sure it is. So tell me about what was this storm the phones campaign all about? Well, we were able to collect all the public um, phone lines from higher ups at Western, people who would have been involved in this decision making. Um, and we encourage people to take advantage of those public phones and to to call these people and express their concerns directly. Um, it was very successful. We filled the inboxes of many of the phone lines within, I think, 10 or 20 minutes. So um, unfortunately, a lot of the calls were screened, but that was sort of to be expected. Right. And, and I'm, I'm also reading here that the uh, the Twitter accounts of a lot of these individuals and the board of governors and so forth, they've been locked. In other oh, words, I haven't heard that. Yeah. Yeah. You're having a, quite an impact. <laughs> um, Glad to see it. So again, for those who missed uh, our earlier conversation, this event that this protest that's happening on Saturday, give us the details. Okay. So it is starting at 12 PM and we're going to be on concrete beach, which is right near the university community center and the Weldon library. Um, we're going to be coming together. There's going to be some music as we gather. Um, we're handing out our own posters to sort of spread the word. And we're going to have some great speakers come along, including students sharing their own stories. Any idea? Do you have any, a handle on the number of students that have uh, withdrawn and, and asked for a refund in advance of September 1st? I don't have a number. Um, and I think that we're encouraging students on our end, at least we're encouraging them to hold off for a little bit but to definitely take advantage of that option if they, if they truly want to and um, to take advantage of the option before it's gone. And the, the, the deadline is uh, September one. I believe so. If not October, sorry, August 31st, August 31st. All right. Um, I don't want, I'm not asking you to reveal your vaccine status, but uh, because, you know, there are people that are vaccinated that are in allegiance with, uh, with you and that simply, object, you know, to this coercion, uh, are you, would you consider or are you considering with withdrawing if these vaccine and mask mandates aren't dropped? Yeah, I'm, to be honest about my own personal situation, I haven't even really assessed it yet. Um, I'm confident in what we're able to do. And that's the main thing. And I've been kind of putting aside what's going to happen to my schooling um, so I can look out for others and that we can get the job done right now. But um, I guess all the cards are on the table. It's uh, the Enough is Enough campaign. Students uh, from the University of Western Ontario protesting the vaccine mandates at the school. Um, And and, uh, the big uh, protest happening Saturday uh, at the university at a location called the Concrete Beach. Uh, Have any faculty agreed to meet with you or any anyone on the the board of governors at this point agreed to meet with you face to face to talk about this? No, we haven't received any um, efforts to reach out. What about the student council? Student council? Uh, I've been in contact with the president of the 
USC. And um, we've just been coordinating. We obviously don't want to step on each other's toes in terms of advocacy efforts. I don't want to get in their way. I know um, that they're doing the hard work to make sure that they have the data to support um, their negotiations with Western and what they're going to be, um, what stance they're going to be taking. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. I, I also am reading here where you, you've received some support from the Conservative Party of Canada and the People's Party of Canada. Have, have any of the, their members reached out to you? Some members have reached out to us. Um, luckily, we, we obviously we don't want to align ourselves politically anywhere or, or another. You know, the whole point of this is we're bringing back choice. So whatever people choose to do with themselves, their own bodies, they're, they want to wear a mask, they can go for it, whatever they align with politically. Um, so the support so far that we've seen from them, from um, members of the political community, has just been to check in. Um, they've offered some advice and have been just generally helpful. And nobody has been trying to push any sort of political campaign on us, which has been, you know, really fortunate. Uh, what are the alumnus at uh, Huron College where you, you attended? Dr. Julie Panessi, a professor of ethics. Of course, she lost her job because she refused to submit to this coercion. Uh, has she reached out to you or your group? Uh, we've been in contact, her and I. Um, I maybe shouldn't confirm it for her, but we expect to see her on Saturday. Um, I think this, I would assume this is a very big moment for her because um, she's been through it. She knows sort of what we're going through. Um, and to have a faculty sort of angle would be would be amazing to have that perspective on Saturday. Well, Kendra, uh, I applaud what you're doing. I'm, I, I, I back you 100%. So, you know, congratulations uh, for standing up on principle, doing what you're doing. I hope you have an enormous turnout on Saturday at the Concrete Beach. And I hope that the boards of the board of governors and the the provo and the the president and the chancellor are paying attention because history is not on their side. What they are doing is unethical. It's immoral and it's disgraceful. So uh, Godspeed and good luck to you. Thank you so much. Kendra Hancock. And again, you can follow them on Twitter at, at students, the number four agencies, agency, students, the number four agency. All right. When we come back off campus uh, housing at the University of California, Berkeley is banning white people from common areas. Leonidas Johnson, host of Informed Dissent, is next with that story. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Welcome back. Well, in what is surely a low point for race relations in the United States, 
an off-campus housing co-op for the University of California at Berkeley. Where else? Students are banning white people from entering common spaces. You heard me correctly. This housing co-op for the University of California, Berkeley, is banning white people from entering common spaces to, quote, avoid white violence. Here uh, to discuss is the host of Informed Dissent, the podcast. He's also an advocate for post-racial identity, the one and only Leonidas Johnson. Hey, Leonidas, how are you? Doing well, Richard. How are you, my friend? I'm well, I'm well thank you. Uh, this kind of stuff just... I mean, surely this sets race relations back like 50 years. I I feel like I feel like every time we talk, it's another thing. It's another story. Uh, And this this particular one, it's not new. This has been going on all over the country. It's been happening at university after university. And what I find interesting, I just sent out a tweet today about this, that, uh, you know, the people that push this anti-racism, critical race theory kind of ideology that the idea behind it is that we need to de-emphasize race the way that uh, people are treated based on race. That's that's what the underlying issue is supposed to be. But at the same time, they're saying that race should be treated as the most important aspect of who a person is. It needs to be at at the forefront of their identity. So they're kind of speaking out of not kind of they're absolutely speaking out of both sides of their mouth here saying that, well, we shouldn't like race should not be important to how you treat me, but I'm going to treat it as very important in how I treat you. And so it's absolutely, it is absolutely setting race relations back because it's making race the most important thing that anybody thinks about. It's incredible. They're doing the exact thing they cl- they complain about, Richard. It's the exact thing that they complain about. Unreal. So this this uh, co-op housing uh, at the University of California, Berkeley, it's off campus, but it's uh, it's affiliated, obviously, with the university. It's right. uh, it's a five story, 30 room person of color theme house. Um, and again, it's requiring students to declare their race when signing in and to announce when they're bringing white guests into the building. Uh, what is this, you know, in order to avo- avoid white violence? What are they on about? What are they playing at? You know, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> there, there's a story uh, about Ben Shapiro showing up at a podcast convention. And the the host of the convention saying it had to initiate an apology for Ben Shapiro being there uh, for the harm that he caused just by his presence. And I, I suspect I don't know what I don't know what they're actually talking about when they say white violence, but I suspect that it's just the mere existence of white people existing in what's supposedly a. POC space or whatever they would call it, a space, because when they talk about diversity, when they talk about uh, people of color, spaces for black people and brown people or whatever it may be, that it's completely exclusive and it's supposed to be exclusive and shut out any white voices or anybody that anybody that would be against that. And that's what they mean by harm. And so it doesn't it doesn't actually mean any actual violence. It just mean it just means that people would oppose their ideology and make them feel bad about the things that they believe, apparently. And they feel like that is traumatizing and that is harm. And so this is the kind of thing that we're dealing with. Words are violence, Richard. Words are violence. Thoughts are violence. Being white is violence. It's completely regressive. It's, it's completely ridiculous. Um, and, and just to your point, uh, Berkeley did come out 
and say that they had nothing to do with that. They, they tried to distance themselves from that and say that it was off campus housing and they didn't really control it. But we've seen these kind of things happen there uh, in the past. So it's not very surprising that's happening on this campus. But like I said, it's not it's not unique to that campus. It's happening all over the country. And right. it's just it, it's mind boggling. And it's also just very sad. Um, you know, I, I was reading also in the story about there is a uh, a person of mixed race who lives at this uh, person of color themed off campus housing where whites are banned. Yeah. Uh, and this mixed race person who has lighter skin um, is saying that uh, they were not received well at this at this place, I guess, according to their twisted logic, you know, yeah. um, because, you know, white skin equals violence. So it's kind of a sliding scale. If your skin is light, even if you're mixed race, you could potentially be violent. Uh, and I mean, I'm not sure, you know, at what point they decide you're no longer violent, I guess, depending on how much melanin you have in your skin. No, apparently we're back to the one drop rule where <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But it's it, it really exposes the. Uh, irrationality of the entire ideology because they're they're making judgments based on complete complete arbitrary factors so yeah you have a mixed race person who one of their parents is supposedly black and that's not enough for them but if you look at everybody's ancestry we're all a hodgepodge of different things and nobody's pure race anything nobody's pure-blooded anything so how do you even gauge that richard how do you gauge who's who's black enough or who's brown enough or who's 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 white how, how do you gauge it what are, are we going to do some kind of uh some kind of genetic test are we going to look at people's ancestries <laughs> i i don't think people want to do that because they may find things in that ancestral line that the, that they will not like <laughs> like for me i have i have german ancestors so does that mean am i not black enough because i have i have german people in my ancestral <laughs> ancestral tree so yeah I, and i did see that i i saw and i saw that even like they wouldn't let one of their parents come to the house uh because their their parent was white and it caused all kinds of problems. And apparently that house has had all kinds of other issues with gender and, and sexuality as well, where people are, you know, when you get into that intersectional nonsense, it's it, nobody can be victimized enough. It, it's always a, a victimhood Olympics, victimhood hierarchy. So everybody's vying for that top position. So everybody's always going to be pushing and, and trying to carve out some victimhood uh, specificity for themselves. And that's really what I mean. It's just it, it, it's mental illness. It's, it's just mental illness. Bingo. Is what it is. Bingo. Yeah. And sadly, not a Babylon B story. Leonidas Johnson, host of Informed Descent. Very quickly, Leonidas, how do we listen to the podcast? Yeah, podcast is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your podcast, Informed Descent. Check it out. All right, Leonidas, always a pleasure. Been too long. We'll, we'll uh, talk again soon, I hope. All the best. Sounds good. Good to talk to you. You too. All right, when we come back, Drew Allen on Joe Biden forgiving Harvard and Yale grads their student debts off the backs of the working class. Stay tuned for more. Just having a little chinwag on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Welcome back. Caving to pressure from the loony left, including Senator Elizabeth Warren. Joe Beijing Biden has uh, erased $10,000 in U.S. in federal student loan debt for those with incomes below $125,000 a year or households 
that earn less than $250,000. Isn't that the 1%? And uh, canceling an additional 10000 for those who receive federal Pell Grants to attend college. So what about the parents that scrimped and sacrificed and saved to send their little darlings off to university and never incurred any debt? Or if they did, they paid it off. They still have to pay off the debts of others. Drew Allen is host of The Drew Allen Show, and you can read his blogs and uh, subscribe to the podcast at drewallen.substack.com. Drew, welcome back. How are you? Hey, Richard. Good. Good to be with you. Thanks. I just find this whole thing despicable. Um, I've always been opposed to, uh, you know, erasing. There's no such, you you don't erase the student debt. Somebody has to pay for it. Who's going to pay for it, Drew? Who's going to pay for it? Yeah, well, it's going to be the the rest of the taxpaying American citizens, um, you know, most of whom have behaved responsi- responsibly. Um, and, 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 you know, you hit the nail on the head with with oh, there, there are so many lively uh, discussions we can have about this. Um, but but you're right. I mean, it, at its essence, this is about um, rewarding uh, irresponsibility, encouraging and condoning uh, a lack of accountability and it's about punishing people who have made sacrifices and are um, exemplifying personal responsibility. But I, I do want to say one thing, Richard, because there are a lot of things to talk about with regards to this. But the most important thing to remember is that, that this is not constitutional. This is an unlawful act that the president of the United States does not have the authority to do. He admitted it. Uh, Nancy Pelosi has admitted it. Chuck Schumer has admitted it in the past. But now they're desperate. Uh, they're trying to buy off voters going into the midterms and and trying to uh, give, uh, you know, their base and other Americans out there who are suffering from inflation and, and the policies of this administration, the perception of a victory. Right. Exactly. It is. It does smack of desperation. And also consider uh, something like 56 percent of this student debt is is held by postgraduate students. Um, and there's only, I believe it's 13% of Americans actually have a, a postgraduate degree. So these would be, these would be Harvard students, uh, Yale students. They're the ones holding the debt. So these are, these are going to be lawyers, they're doctors, they're dentists. Uh, so their debt is going to be paid off by plumbers and truckers and again, people who sent their kids to school and paid off their debt because they didn't buy a new car. They, did, they didn't go on a family vacation for 20 years and uh, they made, you know, a lot of, of a lot of sacrifices. It's just so wrong on so many levels. Well, it is. And once again, it fails to address the root cause, which is that the federal government is responsible for these skyrocketing education costs in America. Um, look, these universities are able to charge the exorbitant um, sums that they can uh, of students because they know that the students can get access to loans to pay for it. You know, if, if these students couldn't go to the federal government and take out Pell Grants, you know, worth $20,000 and so on and so forth to pay for the education, if that was eliminated, uh, well, these, these schools wouldn't wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, this this is typical collusion, if you will, between the federal government and, and the Democratic Party at this point and the university system. Look, Harvard, Yale, these these institutions have have uh, endowments worth upwards of 40 billion dollars in many cases. 
and they're just sitting on that money. I mean, look, uh, Elizabeth Warren, when she taught, you know, uh, a, a class at Harvard uh, for a couple of years, she, she was paid $422,000, I think it was, for minimal effort. Um, look at the salaries of these people. And it's, it's the student who's being punished. And this does nothing again to address that. Um, and, and look, at every step of the way, we have uh, a system in place which tells people that they must get an expensive college education to have success. But you know who's doing really well? People who didn't go to school, who, who, who took on trades, you know, plumbers and electricians and, and all these other jobs that, that uh, you know, the elites tend to look down on. But they are uh, fundamentally important in our economy and what we need. And those people work very, very hard. A lot of them are, are business owners, self-employed. Exactly. Exactly. So now they'll be paying off the debts uh, of people who went to uh, Georgetown University uh, to study gender studies. Uh, it's just wrong on so many <laughs> levels. Uh, Drew, always appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you, Richard. You take care. Drew Allen, host of The Drew Allen Show, drewallen.substack.com. When we come back, Peter Wallace running for school trustee in Kawartha Lakes, and he's created a, a highly insightful, well-researched review of what is wrong with publication or uh, public education in Canada and uh, what can be done to make public schools better. He's next. Stay with us. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. All right. Welcome back. And as I keep saying on this program, you know, if we're going to stem the tide of this, these toxic cultural influences in our institutions, in society, it begins with local politics. It begins by taking back school boards. It takes uh, it begins by taking back municipal councils. So get involved. Get involved. Uh, my conversation with Peter Wallace, as I mentioned, running for school trustee in Kawartha Lakes, and he has created something called the Blueprint for Canada, blueprintforcanada.ca. It's a, um, a well-researched review of what he believes is wrong with public education in Canada and what can be done to make public schools better. Peter Wallace, welcome to the program. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, first of all, I applaud you for uh, for stepping up and running for for um, school trustee. I keep saying on this program how important that is. It's one of those areas that is so neglected. Uh, you're running, is it Ward 7 in Kawartha Lakes? That's correct, yes, in the town of Lindsay. Right. Okay, so uh, tell me about a Blueprint for, for Canada. How did you come up with this idea? And then we'll get into some of the, I guess, the tenets that uh, you've outlined. Sure, yeah. So um, there's actually three goals with the site originally. Um, the first goal was to develop a, a platform which could potentially be adopted by any school board trustee candidate uh, who wanted to endorse it. And that would be anyone running in Ontario or in BC at the moment where they're also running school board elections. Uh, we wanted to have a platform which sort of uh, was at a high level was really all about getting you know, extreme political ideology out of the classrooms and replacing it with classical liberal values, essentially, which, you know, by contemporary standards might mean moderately conservative values, but uh, regardless. Uh, so we, we didn't shy away from addressing a lot of contentious social and cultural issues, which is fairly self-evident if you look at the site. But uh, we felt it was necessary to do so just because a lot of these things are not being discussed publicly. And I think that they, they do need to be discussed. So um, we, I put out an initial version of the site uh, on, online in, I'd say, about the middle of July. 
And uh, we got a lot of great feedback on the site from parents and uh, educators and other concerned citizens and a lot of uh, ideas to improve it, which, uh, you know, I've spent the last several weeks kind of incorporating their content suggestions. And we've got it now to a point where I'd say it's pretty much finalized and that we don't expect to make any additional changes between now and Election Day. But um, it is a platform that, uh, you know, I think is really targeting the moderate center in Canadian politics. I would say, you know, people on the moderate right and the moderate left who are still willing to work together in the best interest of the country and of public education in general. So that, that was the, the initial idea. The, the other two um, objectives with the site were to, uh, first of all, educate the public about the issues that we talk about on the platform. And then the third consideration was to try to encourage other people to run for school board trustee positions um, if they supported the platform in their respective jurisdictions. And I think to, to some extent, we've been successful in, in accomplishing all three. Blueprintforcanada.ca. Blueprintforcanada.ca. Peter Wallace running for school trustee in Kawartha Lakes. And um, we, we just have a few minutes and I'm going to have to have you back on because we um, we had some technical issues earlier uh, in the in the, uh, the day. So we um, as a result, we didn't get to spend as much time with you as we'd like. But uh, just very quickly, um, talk to me about what your blueprint says about the inclusion, for example, of gender ideology and CRT, both of those hot, hot button items. Well, with gender ideology, we've made the case that uh, school boards have to be a little bit cautious about their policies around promoting gender ideology because uh, it does lead some children who are, let's say, more susceptible to suggestion. Uh, tends to be autistic children, for example, and those that are perhaps don't have a lot of good parental guidance in their lives for whatever reason. Um, some of them will adopt, uh, you know, gender identities that are at odds with their biological sex just because the idea essentially is planted in their heads at school that you can legit- legitimize such a social thing. contagion theory. Exactly. That's precisely what it is. And, you know, it's interesting in the, in the UK, the attorney general recently came out and said that school boards and teachers which affirm gender in this manner to students can potentially be held legally liable uh, for damages down the road if those students pursue gender affirming care with all sorts of potential complications associated with that, side effects and such. Um, you know, our position essentially is that minors do not have the life experience or the maturity to consent to gender-affirming care, and therefore school boards should not be encouraging policies which legitimize that, that path, essentially. Um, so we've taken a strong position against um, the teaching of gender ideology in schools, And in the same vein, critical race theory, I mean, people will quibble and they'll tell you that critical race theory isn't being taught in the schools. But in reality, you know, the underlying ideas most definitely are being taught. For sure. They're they're manifesting themselves in public education in in various ways, which are, I think, are certainly counterproductive to the uh, public interest. So we've we've addressed, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion. We've talked about all three of those. And we've tried to make the case that, you know, there's there's good ways to go about achieving social justice and there's really bad ways to go about it. And some of the ideas that are being promoted these days in the schools as being, you know, here's how we address social justice issues. They're actually doing more harm than good, particularly to people that might be considered historically marginalized. And we've tried to make a convincing case for, you know, better ways to do things that unite Canadians as opposed to dividing them. All right. So if there is anyone out there who is running for a school trustee across Ontario or in British Columbia, check out the website blueprintforcanada.ca. There's some great ideas there. Uh, Peter, you're encouraging others to sort of adopt uh, adopt these ideas and um, and uh, hopefully overturn 
uh, some school boards, the makeup of some school boards. I'm going to have you back on if you'd be good for that in the very near future to uh, to drill down on some of these topics some more. I appreciate your time. Yes, thank you. I appreciate yours as well. Have a great evening. You too. Peter Wallace, running for school trustee in Kawartha Lakes, blueprintforcanada.ca. Check it out. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Declan, and Jacob. Hey, again, thank you uh, all of uh, Saga listeners for your patience. We had some technical issues earlier today, and uh, we, we really value um, your listening to this program. So thanks for hanging out with us. All right, I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again, God willing. I'll speak with you tomorrow at 4. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.